All right, we're back. Drew, how you doing? Wonderful. How are you? Doing good. Today's podcast, we're gonna be doing. We're gonna do two podcasts. One part one is gonna be pig hunting, and then part two is gonna be sausage. And today we're gonna have on Jacob Lehar, and he's a buddy we met. I met through the shooting team, and you met through the shooting team. He's one of our coaches on the team, helps out with the team, and helps us learn how to shoot. Um, you want you went to school with him, right? Yep. You had classes with him. Yeah, he was the president of the shooting team when I joined, and then he passed the throne on to me. And Jacob did a better job. It, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> but no, we're gonna switch it up a little bit <clears throat> and veer a little bit away from the waterfowl. We'll talk more on the sausage making of what we've done with the foul meat but for this start we're going to talk about his pig hunting success um talk about our stories when we went Mm -hmm. and just the process of it also all right You're listening to the Central Valley Fowlers Podcast. All right, Jacob, how are you doing today? I'm uh, doing well. Uh, thank you for having me on today. I'm excited to do this. So, you're a pig hunter fiend. <laughs> yeah, something like that. So, how did you get started pig hunting? Why did you start pig hunting? Uh, well, uh, it's something that you know I've, my parents or my dad had been doing since I was young as I could remember really um you know we we kind of came up came up a little tough and you know money was tight at times so you know while harvesting wild game and and putting it in the freezer at a lot of a lot of times was kind of our only source of protein so it's something that I've been doing since a really young age and it started out as a necessity and it was something that you know really grew into a a passion of mine being able to go out and and chase big game so you guys you guys have like a special opportunity to do it too with like the deprivation permit and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's something that's uh, pretty new to my hunting experience, maybe the last four or five years. But um, Oh, so it's not, you started out like not? Yeah, we, oh, we okay. started out. Uh, so tell just, us, t- where'd you go and stuff like that? So I, I grew up, uh, I was born in the Salinas Valley and then raised in uh, like Past Rebels area, northern San Luis Obispo County. And we uh, we grew up, you know, hunting the foothills and, you know, some private land, some public land, just trying to figure out where the hogs were moving and chased uh, chased wild hogs and, and white-tailed deer around the around the foothills around Paso Robles for the better part of 15 years. And then recently, on the subject of depredation permits, we have a we have pretty exclusive access to about uh, 6,000 acres of ground in southern Monterey County that. We can hunt on a depredation permit uh, basically 24 hours a day under a spotlight and everything else. So, That's awesome. pretty yeah, pretty pretty awesome hunting experience, and it's a uh, it's a blast. So, what's kind of the time of year you looked to hunt hogs? Um, I, I guess it kind of varies where you're at. You know, where you don't see a whole lot of hogs in the in the San Joaquin Valley, 
but you know where I where I grew up and where where I still hunt, it's uh, it's almost year round. You know when it's when it's really really wet or it's really really cold, the hogs kind of migrate back up deeper into the hills. But anytime the weather's warm or uh, the water kind of dries up, you know, in those natural springs or you know some of those little hidden lakes and creeks and stuff back in the hills and. They, they come out of the hills and come down closer to the flat ground and, and try and find food and water. So I guess uh, if you wanted to put it on a calendar, probably from about you know March, April into all the way to about November. That's when they're up in the hills or down? That, that's where they're down. I mean, where, okay. where it's, not a, it's not like a pack-in type deal to go find them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's when like the areas that, that I grew up hunting and the areas I hunt today, it's about March to November is when we really see the heavy populations moving around. Well, let's get into choosing the caliber and what like ethical shots that you have to make on these pigs. Kind of what your um, what you're seeing and your time frame of the window where you have to be able to shoot and not chase a group of pigs or knock a pig down where your life could be. A little bit at danger because there's times <laughs> that it has happened. I'm sure you can go on his stories about that, but that way you can get in there, get the pig, and get out and on to the next one and get get the process going. Yeah. So, you know, I, I know in a couple of your guys' episodes you've spoken about, you know, taking ethical shots at waterfowl and making sure they're, you know, within kind of a killing range and you're not going to wound a bird that's going to go die in the tulies. You know, you want to be merciful and and it is kind of the animal in that process as you can be and and the the same thing applies for big game um you know with with wild hogs you know the the boars the males when they get up to maturity they've got a you know i I call it armor it's like a like a cartilage plate that covers their shoulder blades and works back into the rib cage and it's uh it's kind of a natural defense mechanism they have because they you know they'll get some pretty big teeth and like to fight each other and stuff like that and you know, sometimes a bullet won't get all the way through it if you're not approaching them with the right caliber. And, you know, and if if I'm hunting, you know, and I know I'm going to be taking a shot under 100 yards, you know, I can I can caliber down all the way to like a 223. Um, typically, if, if, I'm, if I know I'm going to be having to take some scope shots and, you know, we're out there and we're having to range them, uh, I run a 7 mag. My dad runs a, a 7.62 by 3.9 pretty religiously, a mini 30, but you definitely want to take enough gun with you to where you know you're going to knock them down because, you know, hogs are a pretty resilient animal and you really don't want to, you don't, you don't want to poke at one and then have it run off and you know that animal is going to suffer and, uh, you know, eventually meet its fate. But we, um, growing up, uh, you know, hunting in, in wine grape vineyards over there in the southern Monterey counties and northern slow counties, it's... You're really shooting in like a 10-foot window, so it's it's really imperative that you your first shot is a good one, and uh, and and you lay that animal down right there because even if you put a good shot on them, if if they take off and run, it's really hard to find them in the vineyard. Yeah. And you know we've I've had some when I was uh, like 18 or 19 years old, we had I came across a boar that had what looked like a giant abscess on his shoulder and you know he was he was really really sickly and I just you know went out and put him out of his misery and was trying to figure out what was wrong with him or what what caused this you know this big old this big old sore on his side and we opened it up and he had probably five or six 22 slugs in his shoulder and 
you know, Holy three or some, yeah, some bird shot and maybe even some stuff looked like maybe a 223. It was someone that, you know, kind of, I guess, in my opinion, probably didn't know what they were doing and took a shot that they shouldn't have. And, uh, and, you know, basically just didn't, didn't ensure a clean kill. And that's, that's something we really try and avoid with, uh, just being good stewards of the land and being fair and, and merciful to the animal that you're, whose life you're taking to fill your freezer. Yeah. So with, with that armor, Going back kind of to the rib cage, where do you want to pet a bullet? Like, if they're, do you want to wait until they're kind of quartered away from you or broadside or, like, so what's your ideal? My my ideal, I want to get in, I mean, just, and this is my ideal for the areas that I hunt. You know, I, I hunt a lot in, in vineyards, so we're, you're basically shooting them down a hallway. And, you know, ideally, like, a, a perfect, you know, perfect hog hunt for me is I'm able to stalk in, you know, 50 to 50 to 40 yards from them and I want to take my 223 and put it between their eye socket and their ear hole for a couple of reasons one I know the animal is going to lay down right there it's going to be a swift take and uh, we're, we're really limiting the amount of meat that we're wasting uh, sure. with with, uh, with bullet trauma what's interesting about being in that situation is you have time to making make a good shot i mean you've talked about hey they they don't know we're here just relax take your time put a good shot i mean obviously these pigs are moving their feet and they're bouncing from row to row and you got to move with them but in all reality you got a good amount of time to sit relax and make a good shot if you don't then you just keep waiting until that that opportunity comes and because of that small window I mean, the, what I've seen and been around doing it with you, that is really interesting because some people will just jump out, put it, put the scope on, and pull the trigger, yeah. and that comes into a lot of missed shots or unethical placement on the pig, and then you got to go chasing that pig. Right. Or, or you got a Tasmanian devil devil coming after you. Pissed <laughs> off hog. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's something else. I I think. Uh, you know, the kind of situations that, that I'm fortunate enough to hunt, you know, we, we do take a lot of close shots and, you know, it's it's good because you have a higher chance of putting, you know, putting that round where it needs to be. But also if, I think you got a little bit of added pressure too, where if, if you don't make that good shot and you're not aware of, you know, how many hogs are in the herd that you're approaching, it's, it's pretty easy to get tore up. So you got to be, you know, make sure that you're one, putting the animal down that you're aiming at. And then two, you got to be aware of your surroundings because... They'll, they'll loop back and come after you if you're not careful. <laughs> and, you know, hogs don't really, uh, eyesight, their eyesight isn't very good. Their their sense of hearing is, is pretty terrible. I mean, hog, hogs are almost deaf and blind, but their sense of smell is really, really good. So, you know, you don't necessarily need to worry about hiding from them visually. Uh, being quiet is always a good, you know, that, that's a good hunting practice to maintain. But you really need to know wind direction and, you know, you probably don't want to put cologne on and go hog hunting. That's probably not the best idea. Yeah. But uh, just making sure that you're on the right side of the wind from the hog, and, and you can get up pretty close to them. So when Riley went, you didn't make him roll around in the, the pig excess, and <laughs> that way he had to smear it on his no, face. No, I just and got on the ground and rolled around in the cover. <laughs> <laughs> didn't have to blend in. So what was your first hog? And what'd you, do you remember what you took it with? Or Yeah, yeah. So uh, my first hog was actually on... Um, on a vineyard um, out south, southeast of Shandon, a town that I, I grew up in, and um, took about a 285, 290 pound sow, 
with uh, my mom's 270. <laughs> and uh, I had a little bit of what Drew mentioned, you know, I just got kind of excited, didn't heed my own advice, had a little bit of what I like to call swine flu. <laughs> and uh, slapped the trigger a bit and uh, took her, yeah, took her at about 115 yards of the 270. And luckily it was a sow, so she didn't have too much armor, but. Uh, it was a good clean kill, only shot once, and uh, yeah, that was my first experience. I was about, about 14 years old. That's pretty cool. You want to get into our stories? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> so you took Drew and I out on a hunt. Yeah. Separately. Yeah, separately. Different yeah. hunts. I don't know if you, I could have handled both of you on the same your hunt. Your dad definitely couldn't have. No, <laughs> no. Oh, that, that would have been a circus. <laughs> so, Drew's hunt. How'd your hunt go? Wonderful. I mean, you took a nice sow. Yes. Yeah. With the help of Jacob's mom, if it wasn't for her, <laughs> because well, it goes back to the the trigger pull. I mean, I don't shoot rifles nearly as much as I should. We're I mean, we're all shotgun shooters. We shot on a collegiate shooting team, and you pretty much slap the trigger. You don't sit there and pull it easy. So yeah, that mindset and practice, you absolutely need to have that. But um, Gosh, it was that was a long day. Yeah, yeah. So start start with the whole day. Oh, that was gosh. a very long yeah. Day. So we we left. I don't even know what time we left. Probably ten, and we went to down to Lemoore and then back back up to King City. And I want to say we got to King City at three ish. Yeah, it was three or four in the afternoon. I just remember it was so hot. That it was, was Labor Day weekend yeah. and just miserably hot. And jumped in the truck and off we went. And it was Jacob's dad goes up. Oh, there's your pigs. You gonna go get them? I was like, I, I guess. Come on, Jacob. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we do. <laughs> had no idea what we were doing and go out there. And I mean, we're we're sitting there watching them and it's like. And I sat there and I told Jeff, I was like, I can't make that shot. Like, I know that's it's out of my range a little bit. I'm not comfortable with making that shot. So, all right, so we'll walk around. And and then Jacob's mom gets out of the pickup and we're walking. All of a sudden, kaboom. It's like, well, she took the shot. She was comfortable <laughs> with it. And, and it's so funny because we were maybe 50, 65 yards just down from from her. And you can hear the smack. Uh, when it when that bullet connects with an animal, you can hear it, and Jacob knew too. He's like that that was a hit hog, and so what? And we thought because if I'm mistaken, Jacob says that they run vertical, no horizontal. Yeah, they so run. they'll run like lateral of vine row. If you spook them, they'll never run down the row that they're in. They'll they'll go they'll jump under the vines, you know, mm-hmm. trying trying to get away. So when that shot went off, because there was more than there's, I don't know, maybe seven or eight of them. So we heard the shot, and so we kept working to maybe catch them when they come out of the vines. Never did see them. But we circled back around, and the, they knew that the pig was in there, so we jumped in a, a mule. We went back and jumped in the mule, and we're going down the vine row where the shot was taken. And I'm sitting there free willy and not really paying attention. Jay was like, hey, you got to watch out. They hide under these vines. And they'll they'll get you as we're going down the road. It's like, oh gosh, <laughs> here we go. You had your Drew face. Yeah, man. the whole yeah. time. And I had a 270, and I had my pistol with me. 
Jacob did not have a weapon. <laughs> Which, at the time, I thought was going to be a very grave mistake. Yes. <laughs> so we get down far enough to where we thought it was, and Jacob had hopped over a vine row, and I'm sitting there looking at him, and I thought, when he made this face, I thought this pig was coming right towards him. Like, his life was in danger. <laughs> and I was like, uh, <laughs> what do I do? So I hopped over, and we just kept chasing that pig down and down and finally we got ahead of it and knew that it was coming into a row and it popped its head white right open and and i ended up shooting him right or shooting her right through the broiler right That's yeah right through the boiler room there's a there's a pretty awesome heart shot on a kind of a quartering away angle and is uh pretty impressive it took a took a pretty awesome sow there how big was that so she was about, I'd say, 310, and that was, uh, I mean, I've, I've probably shot, I'd say conservatively, probably been on at least 150 hogs. Um, Holy crap. That either, I've, I mean, I haven't shot all of those, but I mean, I, I've probably shot, you know, probably about a quarter of that, but, you know, taking people out and stuff, yeah. but seeing a lot of dead hogs is basically the moral of the story, and that is the cleanest, freshest smelling fattest wild hog i've ever seen we got the we got the hide off of her and she had an inch of just pearl white fat over her back and that's the first wild hog that i've ever like been able to pull a rack of ribs off of that's 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 one thing you know wild hogs aren't always the the fattest animals you know they're usually pretty lean and if there is fat it's usually pretty gamey and i mean she was she was gorgeous i was uh really really amazed at how how, how clean she was and how fat she was but that was a that was a really fun time the drive the drive home sucked yeah because <laughs> you guys cleaned it came home the same night too yeah, yeah. Well, we we got the pig early and that was during dove season too so we brought our shotguns and Jay's dad was like well you want to look for hogs or you want to shoot dove it's like no let's look for hogs now and so we were <laughs> we were just going through and running around sharing stories of the hunts that he's been on out there and and then got back i don't know what time it was maybe 10 30 and started cleaning that hog and we probably left at 12 no Jeez. we left at like one we didn't yeah get back we left to- king city at one we we got back to fresno at like daybreak yeah. oh it, it my was rough gosh. yeah it was rough changed in a gas station and because it doesn't matter if the the pig is clean or not you're gonna smell yeah and uh, we smelled pretty and it was 110 when we went to yeah it was warm that's cooking yeah but no it was man it was a heck of a time long day we won't well next time we'll stay overnight but yeah <laughs> or we'll be happy with the one that we got and uh just get it in the ice chest and get back to our side of the hill yeah <laughs> we got greedy tried to go out and get some more and and uh yeah we we should have just been happy with the one we got and got back to fresno <laughs> that tender one you cooked off of it at your house was mm-hmm. amazing like where you're saying all the fat it was so yeah. fat it was so tender. Well, it was like a, like the fair uh, animal fat where you can sit there and actually eat it. Like it goes with it because there's some stuff you'll have the fat on something. It's like, ugh. Yeah. I don't even want yeah. to touch that fat. But, that is good fat. Yeah. No, and just the process of from 
that pig hitting the ground to cleaning it to dressing it out and getting it in the freezer and then and we'll talk more about that in the next go around but mm -hmm. it's just a, an experience that we're so fortunate to have because not a lot of people can understand and be able to put it on the plate for your family for your friends and be like hey this is there's here's the story that goes along with that and that's kind of why we do what we do because we can sit there and enjoy a cold beverage and, and talk about these stories of, of a lifetime that we won't forget never and never, ever. get to enjoy it with friends so let's hear let's hear yours when you went out and oh man <laughs> yeah you're i think riley's was a little less adrenaline packed but uh probably a little more oh i had so much adrenaline <laughs> going. what are you talking about so we were up the night before and we were like do we want to go out no nah, let's just go out in the morning so went out in the morning and early we drove around for a while trying to find hogs like a good chunk of time i don't remember what time we ended up finding them but we went all around there's the ranch and i remember driving and i was like oh my gosh oh my gosh back up there's this oh, sorry the dogs are barking there's this massive black probably what Half mile out, quarter mile out. Yeah, it was we actually, across, yeah, when we were across the canal, and it was yeah. actually in the same exact place that Drew that Drew took his hog, which I thought was kind of funny. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in, so, in all the years that I had hunted hunted that ranch, I had never like that was one of the few places like that that region that was one of the few places that I'd never seen like never seen deer, never seen hogs. Like the 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 bird hunting was okay, but. I'd never taken big game out of that area, and then yeah. I I take two guys out to go hunting, and they both they both pull pull like good sized hogs out of that same exact spot. <laughs> so we saw this massive hogs, and your dad was like, "Yep, there's the hogs. Just go drive around." <laughs> so we drove around, and we got up wind of them, and you, Thomas, and I, yeah, we got out, and your dad was driving, yeah, and so. Started walking down, and I'm, oh, I'm shaking like an Energizer bunny. <laughs> and I had learned from the last time, I actually took a gun this time, too. I wasn't going to go wandering that close to hogs without a firearm this time. <laughs> so we're walking, and they're just doing their thing. Jumping row to row, so we jump row to row. Oh, they're over here, so we jump over the next row. And we get probably 70 yards, and I, like, mount, and I'm... Oh, man, I'm moving my gun everywhere. I got so much adrenaline going through me. Like, I can't do this. I cannot do this. So, <clears throat> we get up to probably 50, 40 yards, and I try to do it again, and I can't settle down. So, I like, I don't know how I thought of it so quick, but I instantly put my gun down, took my boot off, unlaced it, laid my gun in, like, the crevice of the top of my boot, and... The one I shot was laying down. I didn't know if it was a boar or sow at the time. And it was laying down with its back to me. And I put it right through the ear, like the back of the ear, and just grenaded it. But it started flopping. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, Like it's going to get up and run. Because I saw it. It was flopping, and it flopped up and had one leg stuck. So I thought it was going to get up. And I just racked another round and put it right through the boiler room. But it was pretty quick, that whole process. Yeah, it was, but, I was, oh my gosh! 
I was really proud that you racked a second shell because most people on their first hog, they shoot once. And I've actually been with guys who've taken a shot and then handed me the gun and then gone running down the vine row after the hog that they wasn't sure was dead uh, with no firearm. You're looking for a tango. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was, I heard you re, I heard you rack the gun and I was like, okay, we're going to, you know, ready for a follow-up shot. And then I I had heard the first shot connect and I could tell just by the sounds the hog was making that he was down. And uh, I heard the second one connect. I was like, oh, sweet, we doubled up. <laughs> and my attention went away from what Riley was doing because the herd that these, this hog was in had kind of broke across my face and we're going left. And I heard him kind of double back. And so I'm down on one knee and I had took the gun off my shoulder and I'm kind of watching. And I was like, here they come. And uh, they got about, they were about four rows away, so about 40 feet, and I hear a pistol slide, and I'm like, I kind of look over <laughs> my shoulder, and I'm like, all right, well, I guess Riley's ready for war. <laughs> but uh, luckily, it, it didn't get much more exciting than that. They kind of got close enough to where they could tell something was in front of them, and barked at them a little bit, and they broke and, and headed away from us. But I got to ask Riley after that, I was like, oh, did you get two? No, that it was still moving after the first shot, so I wanted to make sure it didn't move anymore. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that second shot was just nicked the top of the, to the top of the shoulder blade on the shot side and went down and blew the top of the heart out and effectively killed a pig twice. No. It was pretty impressive. <laughs> that was such a fun hunt. Well, just going in to those rows, dude, it'll freaking make you turn pale just trying to listen and pay attention <laughs> well they're like oinking and rooting around yeah and well and especially if it's wounded i mean it's that and you when you go with somebody to go hunting you and they know the area you gotta make sure you're in the right position to to do stuff so more of the story is pay attention to how they hunt to what you're supposed to do and it's like am i clear do i what do i do what do i do do I take this shot? And it's just, you got to look out for each other because you got people walking, you got somebody in the truck, so you just really yeah. have to pay attention. And then you got other pigs that you don't even know where they're at. Mm -hmm. And especially if somebody doesn't have a gun that you're standing next to, you got to protect <laughs> them too. Yeah. It's, uh, well, you, t you talked about it in like talking about hunting different, you know, re um, refuges is, you know, just your awareness and knowing where the hunters are and knowing where to go. It's, it's similar here, except you're not necessarily getting yelled at by another hunter. You just don't want to get run over by a, a hog that you didn't mm -hmm. know was there. So yeah, definitely got to kind of have your head on a swivel, and especially hunting in, hunting in in a closed quarter situation like in a vineyard. It's it's uh it can be exciting yeah. in a, in a good way and a bad way. You just got to make sure that you you know what's around you and. You want to be close to the herd to make a safe shot and make a make a reliable shot, one that you trust. But you also don't want to be in the middle of the herd where, you know, there's there's animals behind you that could legitimately kill you. Yeah, no. So you want to make sure you're in the right place and you're you give yourself an exit lane as well. You want to be able to either get away or get up above them to where you're not gonna be be in a situation where you could get hurt. You ever had a hog come after you? Yeah, yeah, I have. Um, I was actually. Uh, wasn't really hunting I was working um was on a bike in a vineyard uh doing some field checking and uh luckily I had a gun with me but um had ridden up in the middle of a block and wasn't really 
paying attention to my surroundings. I was just kind of doing my job and heard some rustling and thought it was maybe just the wind. And then I realized there was no wind and there was <laughs> These a, leaves are moving. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, the hogs, when they in the in a vineyard setting, when uh, when it's hot, they'll lay up basically in a pile up under the vine row because it's all drip irrigated. So they lay on that nice moist soil and take a nap in a pile. Well, I'd ridden up in the middle of about 45, 50 hogs. Oh, my God. Ranging from, you know, little watermelon-sized pigs that weigh 45, 50 pounds all the way up to a couple 300-pound herd sows and a herd boar. And, yeah, oh. I had a had a hog go after the bike, and I figured out how quickly I could run down a vine row in reverse on a quad. <laughs> um, we've had uh, guys at that ranch that we hunt actually have, have hogs go after their trucks. While they're just driving around? Well, they'd be stopped at night during grape harvest or something, and the hog would literally run into the side of the truck. Like, tear up up an aluminum truck door. Didn't that one hog almost total, or it did total that truck? Yeah, yeah. One of the harvest foremen, yeah, totaled an F-250. What? Yeah, guy didn't have a gun, so he couldn't stop the pig. And, uh, yeah, flattened two tires and... Tore up basically every piece of sheet metal on the pickup. Roughed it up pretty good. It just kept going after. Yeah, big herd bore. Gee whiz. But, that's crazy. And that, that's something that's probably good to talk about too. You know, is we, we discussed ethical shots and kind of where to place your shot. But, you know, we are, um, you know, especially in an area that we kind of, I guess, manage the hunting rights on. Or we're kind of have some, um, we're kind of the, the exclusive group that gets to hunt out there. It's really important to manage the herds that are on the place. So you know, we really we have a very strong rule. Like, if if the sow's wet, so if she's just you know if she's just had had a set of piglets and they're still nursing, or the the piglets are real small, we try not to take the sow just because we're basically not only taking the sow but we're also taking those piglets. Yeah. And you know, or if if like what drew mentioned you know you want to be careful and really watch watch the herd and figure out you know which one you want to take and like say if we see a a herd of sow or you know a herd of hogs and there's one big herd boar and maybe two or three like teenager teenage age um boars in that group you know we're safe to take the herd boar there because they have boars that are in the herd that'll kind of replace him you know and we try and Stay away from the fat sows because if they're fat, they're most likely pregnant. And again, we're not taking one hog in that situation. We're taking, you know, we could take 15 if if, if she's got a full load of piglets. Mm-hmm. So we really try and, um, you know, we, we try and put meat in the freezer and we try and, you know, have a, a fun and exciting hunt. But at the same time, we want to be, you know, intelligent about how we go about it. And we want to make sure that we're not just going out there and decimating the population. We're trying to you know, maintain and, and sustain a, a hunting experience for years to come. So it's kind of, I guess you look at it a different way, because over in Texas, people just want them gone because they destroy stuff. So what do, what do the pigs kind of do to this ranch? Do they mess it up, or do they just mess with the cover crop? or? So uh, a little bit of both, actually. Um, you know, we talked about, like, when when's a good time to hunt them, and, you know, they get down into... Not quite the flatlands, but the low hills, you know, when the water kind of dries up at higher elevations and, you know, they come down and they're looking for what every other animal is. They're looking for cover, they're looking for feed, and they're looking for water. And, you know, the biggest driver on these hogs that we hunt is they're looking for for some kind of fresh water. 
and with a with over 5,000 acres of irrigated ground, they uh, they chew up the drip hose, yeah, wow. going going after water, and then also, I mean, if there's steady water there, they're going to spend most of their time there, and they'll tear up the cover crop. Um, they do a tremendous job rototilling people's lawns, uh, going after worms and grubs and stuff like that. But um, yeah, the two biggest things that they do for the actual agriculture aspect of that ranch is they they'll decimate a cover crop and then they'll uh, they'll tear up irrigation infrastructure. So, Drew and I weren't the only hunters that you've seen out there. You got yeah. poachers out there. <laughs> How often do you kind of see poachers? Um, you know, it kind of varies, and I think it, uh, you know, it's, as the economy gets bad and things get expensive or people are out of work, I think you see more people that, that go poaching. Um, you know the the place well the interaction that you that we had Riley with a with a poacher I mean that guy was a you know a neighbor that just doesn't respect a fence line yeah but um you know you see a lot of that and um you know there's not a whole lot of public land over there in the you know southern Monterey northern San Luis Obispo counties for people to go hunt so you have a lot of people with a desire to hunt and no means to do it so they uh you know, if your gate's unlocked or the gate's open, guys are going to just think that they have permission to go, and it's not always the case. You know, it's, it's, uh, there's, I guess there's several reasons for people doing it, but, you know, in, in any, in any way, it's, it's kind of a little bit of a hair-raising experience because you assume if they're out there poaching, they've got a firearm, and you just hope that it doesn't turn violent, and, yeah. you know, you can kind of, verbally discipline them a little bit and get them out of there and that scares them straight enough for they don't come back and it just doesn't turn into a you know a bad situation mm -hmm. so if you were to tell someone like hey if you're going to go out hog hunting this is what you should bring what would you bring so just the necessities nothing well i guess you can get in special stuff but yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna answer that two different ways because I, I think that the way that, or the opportunity that, that I have to hunt pigs and the opportunity that you guys have seen, it's, it's kind of unique. I wouldn't call it the, the stereotypical hog hunting experience. Yeah, not everyone gets to do that. Yeah, and uh, I guess it's, um, in that situation, you know, the biggest thing you need to have is, is the right gun. Um, if, you know, you, I like to stay in the 30 caliber bigger or, you know, up into the, you know, a 7 mag, 7 millimeter, 08, something like that, or, uh, but really try and stay larger than a, larger than like a, I'd say no smaller than a 270 if you're really getting into it. Um, so, you know, a good caliber gun with a good scope. Um, and then you're going to need a good set of knives. You know, hog hair is really, really tough on a knife blade. So we actually use a carpet knife to split to split hides when we're okay. processing them just because that that seems to hold a hold an edge a lot better than a regular knife and then um, from there you know working towards more harvesting the animal and breaking it down you need to have in what what I like to keep is a hide knife which is my carpet knife and then you have an outside of the cavity knife, which is basically skinning and, you know, taking off hooves and trotters, stuff like that. And then you have an interior knife just to try and keep stuff clean. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hog, hog feces, hog urine. Doesn't yeah, smell um, very good. That's not fun when it gets all over your face hanging from <laughs> a forklift. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. But uh, you definitely got to make sure that you have, you know, an outside knife that's gonna it's gonna eat some mud, some blood, and some, you know other bodily fluids and then you want to have an inside knife to you know kind of be cl- as clean as you can in the cavity because i mean we're not breaking this thing down in a butcher shop we're doing this on a wash rack yeah um and then for I, i'd say like open ground hunting or a, a non-vineyard situation you know camouflage isn't a bad thing you want a range finder um if you don't have an adjustable objective on on your scope uh you know you want to be able to range these hogs and make sure that you know how far away your your the the shot is you're about to take, and then pretty similar with the knives, and then just some way to move them, because ho- hogs are heavy. Yeah. Um, especially if if you're shooting a meat hog, you're you're looking at 250 or, or more. So it's good to hunt in pairs or have a bike or a side by side or a jeep something where you can uh, you can get that animal up off the ground and get it to where you can clean it as or clean it and, and, and field dress it as, as sanitarily as you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely want to be sanitary. There's a lot of there's a lot of hair that gets on that meat. Yeah. Cutting. Holy <laughs> yeah, and that, that hair is real wiry too. It's it's not fun to deal with. No. Not fun to deal with. I just opened a bag the other day and I found hair and I was like, dang it <laughs> <laughs> Almost got it clean. Oh man. Well, Want to add anything to the hog hunting? Pr- hit a lot of good bases there. Yeah, yeah, I think so. That was a good time going out with you. Sure, yeah. learned a lot. That was my first big game animal. Yeah, it's a, uh, you know, it's something that that you mentioned. You guys mentioned, I think, in your first episode that really resonated with me. I think Drew, you were talking about it's just getting your buddies out that you know it's their first time duck hunting and getting them out there and, you know, helping them get their first birds and everything. And it was a similar experience for me with you guys, you know, it's respect you guys as hunters and as shooters and, you know, we're all friends and it was just really cool to be able to share that experience with you guys and, and get you on a good animal and put you guys in a situation where you could, you know, make the kill, break it down and then enjoy the process together of us, you know, getting that ready to feed our families. It was a really, really neat experience and, Something that I really value. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you can get a lot of meat off those hogs. Like, I put all mine in, well, I took, like, the ribs, but they weren't worth anything. <laughs> yeah, yours was I a little, yours was a little leaner than Drew's. <laughs> <laughs> but, man, we made, just out of my hog, and mine was, like, 215, like 40 pounds of sausage. Yeah. That's a good, I'm still eating the sausage. Yeah, yeah. that's too. Yeah. Well, the biggest thing for me that I took away from, from that hunt, and it wasn't pulling the trigger, it was the work after the hog was mm-hmm. hung. And thankfully for Jacob's dad being very patient and <laughs> us wanting to learn how to... Because pro- that was my first big game animal that I've taken. And the, the dressing it out, how, to, how do you make your cuts, where you don't want to cut, how gentle you want to be. And that was the neatest thing that I took away from that hunt. It wasn't pulling the trigger and looking at at the pig that that we took its life it was the process and it's like okay yeah this piece right here we're going to take and feed family and friends with mm-hmm. and how to be clean how to do it right and man sit you can go and buy 
hamburger meat at the store and put it on your plate, but when you harvest something, it feels so much better. Oh, it's amazing. Sitting there on your on your plate, and we've all gotten to have the experience to enjoy that, and that is the most important thing because there are people out there like us that use almost every piece of meat that we harvest. There's a lot of people that won't even touch it. They won't. They'll hunt and maybe they'll give the meat away, but they won't eat the meat. Yeah. And it's like that is what That's it's the best all thing. about right there. Every time I eat that sausage, I imagine myself in the back seat with Thomas and Jacob, Jacob's dad, <laughs> driving around looking for hogs every single time. It's like, man, I'll never forget that. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. It's a, it's a sense of pride, you know. You've you're you're, you're providing, and then it's a, it's a conversation piece, you know. You you throw a package of sausage on the grill when your buddies are barbecuing steaks or hamburgers, and it's like, oh yeah, I shot that, and I made the sausage. Yeah, you know, and it's a. Uh, it's just a fun memory, you know, it's something that I'll share with you guys, and there's, you know, it's something I get to share with my dad and my brother, which is really awesome, you know, my, my family's really into it, and it's it's just cool to take, you know, take my friends that I met here in the San Joaquin Valley going to school, and take them back to the areas that I grew up in, and, and take them to the places that I grew up, you know, grew up hunting and grew up working, and uh, be able to share in some of those experiences that I had growing up, and just a really awesome, the whole process is just, I don't think there's anything like it. No. Well, and I hope we're able to get you out this year to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, some, we're going to return the favor. We're yeah, birds. It won't be as nice and it'll be cold and wet and <laughs> yeah. a little bit mis- more miserable, but. <laughs> That's all right. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I don't know if I'm ready for to get that 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 much meat out of one trigger pull i'm used to getting 50, <laughs> yeah, yeah no used to getting 50 or 60 pounds of product off of one trigger pull but <laughs> i'm uh, looking forward to the experience and hoping we can get out and get a little cold and wet this fall and put some birds down we gotta do, do another podcast once after we take you out yeah yeah see what you think yeah before and after <laughs> you guys are crazy for shooting these ducks yeah. you get no it's, meat it's cold it smells bad yeah <laughs> but no it's uh the the rush that you guys get and the passion that you have for waterfowl it's that's how I feel about you know chasing hogs and and that whole process and you know I don't understand the intricacies of duck hunting and you guys even with a little bit of experience you've had with with hog hunting I mean the way you guys feel about chasing birds and getting them to turn and you know everything going right for that perfect shot is you know that's that's what gets my heart racing on the hogs and it's uh it's definitely something you can bond over and, you know, res- respect the different processes and stuff like that. Yep. We're all out here trying to do the same thing. <laughs> yeah, pull the trigger and feed somebody. That's right. <laughs> Share memories of a lifetime. Yep. All right, well, stay tuned for part two where we'll be talking about sausage making. Thanks for listening.